there. Can I take your order? Yeah. I'll have the movie soup. God, it's movie soup. Yeah, we're back at it. Every time you people think we're dead, we never are. Seth. Just like uh, just like a horror movie villain that we're going to be touching on at a later time in the episode. Nick, this how's it going? Is, uh, Seth, it's great. This is uh, Soup of the Day, movie soup with Seth and Nick, and I'm Nick and that's Seth. Seth, uh, what movies did we see? We've uh, seen a few movies. We've, we actually have. We're going to talk about two today on the episode. We could uh, talk about... Another one that we watched recently that oh, wasn't totally. these two. We could honestly, we, it's a horror. Could, it's could a this horror be a threefer? This yeah. could be a threefer. Uh, we'll really breeze through them, but we'll go in chronological order f- in the order that we watch the movies. Good idea. Um, so, what are the movies we watched, Seth? What so, three movies did we watch? So, we're going to start off here, talk about uh, Don't Worry, Darling 2022, 2022 directed, directed by, by Olivia Wilde. Wilde. Uh, next up after that is going to be Halloween Ends 2022, 22, directed, directed by... Directed by not John Carpenter. Directed by David Gordon Green. I had David it. David Gordon Green. And the last movie that we watched was Barbarian. 2022, 2022 directed, directed by, by I think uh, the guy from Whitest Kids, you know, Zach oh, Krager. Zach Krager. Shout out you, Zach Krager. I watched a lot of Whitest Kids when I was a kid. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, so, Nick, before we get in and sort of like talk about each of these movies individually, I would yes, like sir. to hear your take right here, right now. Like rank these in the order that you liked them. Oh, so like you want to hear my best one first? Yeah. Uh, Barbarian is definitely of the three. The kind of like by movie. a mile, right? Yeah, like by a country mile. And a, a factor that I never used to think about in terms of like how good a movie is or how much I will enjoy a movie is the length of the movie. Mm. And uh, Barbarian's only like an hour 45 or like an hour and a half. Keeps it tight. And I was like, whoa. This is incredible. I don't have to sit here for two and a half hours. <laughs> and That's don't worry, crazy. And don't worry, darling, and Halloween ends. Uh, they they go on. They go on. Every time I thought it was over and maybe I could go home, I never could. Mm-hmm. Um, and so after, uh, after Barbarian, a mile away is probably Don't Worry, Darling. Uh, and then another mile behind Don't Worry, Darling is probably Halloween ends. Um, and I would imagine your ranking looks pretty similar. So yeah, I would agree with you. Barbarian, top of the list easily. I'm a little torn though, because like yeah. Halloween ends and Don't Worry Darling are kind of neck and neck. Because on the one hand, Don't Worry Darling has like the better cast, I think, with like overall more talented actors that like I am more interested in watching. Mm-hmm. However, I think in like the theater, like the theater going experience <laughs> was maybe like a little bit more fun for Halloween ends. We did have fun. Um, <laughs> Cause every single person in that audience, I think we kind of like had a collective sort of like unspoken agreement that we all knew that the movie was kind of bad and we would, uh, we were going to make the best of a bad situation. I think it started happening around like, the 45 minute mark when we still had not seen Michael Myers yet. Mm-hmm. I guess spoilers for these movies. I don't feel super bad about spoiling them to be honest. We're we'll, we'll maybe do a hard one for barbarian because that one does have That's like true. some real twists and turns. Oh uh, yeah. So let's, uh, why don't we just start diving in on deep, d- deep worry, darling. <laughs> don't worry, darling. Uh, 
so listener, if you haven't seen, don't worry, darling spoilers ahead. Um, Florence Pugh is in uh, a 1950s ish setting. Uh, she's a housewife. Her husband is played by Harry Styles, um, <laughs> who is in the movie, and it is a movie. Um, and Harry does Styles some mysterious scientific work. Mm-hmm, he does some mysterious science, uh, working with Nick Kroll and Chris Pine, who every man who lives in this suburb is in love with. <laughs> Um, and Florence Pugh learns that everything is not as it seems. It never is. (laughs) That's the thing. Every movie that Florence Pugh is in, she will learn that everything is not as it seems. Um, Seth, what I think the thing about Don't Worry Darling, at least for me, leading up to seeing it was all of the truly horrific press that yeah, the movie yeah. got. I think, so here's where I'm at, is like, I, regardless of whether or not, uh, Regardless of like the 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 controversy that was going on, or like mm-hmm. the the drama going on within the production, mm-hmm. whether what whatever your take is on Spitgate, uh, <laughs> I think that at the end of the day, uh, the the press team maybe knew they had a little bit of a stinker on their hands in terms of like <laughs> the film itself. Yeah. And they kind of realized that they had to do some serious leveraging yeah, to get people a, out to the theaters. There was a real like all press is good press around. Don't worry, darling. And I mean, it got me. Yeah. I will say that there was a part of me that was like, I shouldn't see this movie. I shouldn't support whatever happened behind the scenes. But also, like, there's another part of me that is so morbidly curious about what was going on that I have to know. I just had to know. Yeah. And Um, and I I will say that, like, (laughs) I feel that the behind the scenes drama, whatever it actually was, if it was as bad as they claim, it doesn't show on screen. Sure. Like, the movie itself is not stellar. Yeah. Um, But it has less to do, I feel, with, like actor chemistry and more to do with writing and direction sure you know what i mean yeah for sure i think that i definitely think that um the movie kind of it starts off w- one thing that we talked about coming out of that movie was like that 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 it starts off with like a, a decent enough pres- premise mm-hmm. i think decent enough uh imagery world building as we said pretty solid cast yeah um some really some really incredible actors <laughs> yeah. that are in this movie just like totally dumped on wasted and then but then that's the thing is like it's all all of this uh this like it, it has like a great starting point and it doesn't really seem to go anywhere exactly it really kind of like just starts sort of starts to to fall apart I yeah think. it kind of feels like the the creative team because i i would hate to put all of the all of the blame on one person i think that with movies that have as high a budget as movies like this do there's always a lot of like creative interference from like the studio and the producers and all that yeah i think that like they were handed what had the potential to be like a golden premise like something like blockbuster not even blockbuster sorry but like really introspective and thoughtful cinema (laughs) and then it's like they accidentally dropped it in a pool of slime and then like they couldn't pick it back up and they kept all the slime because there's slime everywhere and they kept dropping it (laughs) i'm what one thing that like i am just still a little bit baffled by is uh it's the same not this exact same uh creative team but it's the same screenwriter and the same director as book smart which came out a few years ago and i know that like 
I feel like the, it, a better pe- movie. <laughs> it is. I do think it's a better movie. I do think that there's like, it's not, I don't think it's unanimously loved, but mm-hmm. I do think it like just works better and like is a little bit more sturdy than don't worry, darling. And it has its following. Yeah. I, th- I don't think, I think don't worry, darling is like far more. It's like way closer to being unanimously unloved. Yeah. As Booksmart is to being, unanimous. I'm just really in, I'm just intrigued at the, the, the process of getting from book smart to don't worry, darling. Yeah. It feels like a lot of the creative team wanted to make this, like they wanted to craft, uh, an a 24 Darren Aronofsky esque, like thought provoking movie, but then no one knew how they were like, weren't a, they weren't able to like look at the product of a Darren Aronofsky and like work backwards on how to make it. Yeah. And they just sort of like threw all the visual stuff that would accompany a movie like that into it without tethering it to the plot. Yeah. It does seem, it does really seem like, uh, you know, cool visuals does not, uh, a movie excellent make. movie make. Yeah. Um, Seth, why don't we talk about, the the twist right um yeah for sure because that's what all these like thought these movies that want to be thought provoking they always have to have a twist yep um so why don't you talk about it why don't you talk about it so as nick previously stated everything is not as it seems in uh florence Pugh's perfect little life and we get that feeling like pretty early on like it's like within the first 10 minutes of the movie that she starts cracking eggs open and there's nothing in there (laughs) which is super distressing i gotta say like i would tell somebody about that immediately (laughs) empty eggs um and so as we as we move on as we move on through this increasingly like nightmarish 1950s town desert dreamland uh we find out that uh <laughs> harry's or we, we find out that this is just like a complete simulation mm-hmm. that florence Pugh is living in takes um, a hard left into a sci-fi world yeah her and harry styles are living like a pretty normal like in a modern day setting like in mm-hmm. an urban like 2021 <laughs> yeah. apartment <laughs> And uh, things are not going great in their relationship. Flor- mm-hmm. It seems like Florence Pugh is wearing the pants in the family, and uh, a- Harry Styles is not super happy about that. We really we get some mm-hmm. very strong like incel vibes from Harry Styles, like pretty right out of the gate. Horrendous yeah. mustache they got on him. They they thin out the the hair that mm-hmm. everyone loves on Harry Styles, and they're make like, him all let's greasy. <laughs> let's take this objectively attractive pop star and really and grease him up. Do our best. Have you seen the, this is maybe separate, but have you seen the conspiracy theory that Harry Styles is actually bald and his hair is a wig? Whoa. <laughs> no. That's real. You should look it up after this. <laughs> okay, Listener, yeah, do your own research. I'm not going to do it for you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, and so Harry Styles is like, I just want you to be happy. And uh, Florence Pugh is like, you, I, I was a doctor. <laughs> I'm a freaking doctor. Uh, and he, from Chris Pine, procures... This mm-hmm. like, I guess I'm not even really sure how to describe it. Like it's like this a ma- pro- machine slash program yeah. to load, kidnap Florence Pugh and load her into this 1950s like idyllic housewife uh, mm-hmm. matrix. Exactly, it is like the Matrix. It's like the Matrix, but then instead of doing the Matrix at the beginning of the movie, they hold it off all the way until the end to the Wait. point where it doesn't make any sense. And the thing with the Matrix is they do it at a point in the movie where you're like, okay. 
I, like now my I'm questions in. are going to be answered. I've got ha- like the rest of the movie to figure out what's really going on here. And then, but don't worry, darling does not set you the audience member up for success in terms of like figuring out what you would actually want to know. Yeah. Like I'm left with like, I'm left with many questions at the beginning of the movie and then we get to the twist and I really only have more more questions questions. and then the movie ends. (sighs) Yeah. I think. And then the movie kind of predicates itself on this idea that everyone thinks Florence Pugh is going crazy. Mm-hmm. Everyone and she's and her line is like, "Everyone thinks I'm crazy, but I'm not crazy." <laughs> and you're like, "We agree with you because we see what you see." Yeah. So we don't think you're crazy either. We think the world you inhabit is crazy. And then it's answered like, "The world she inhabits is crazy because it's not real." And I think another thing that kind of like undermines Florence's Pugh's like struggle here is that it seems pretty clear to the audience that everybody else not only knows that there's something wrong with the world, but like is hiding it from her. It's not Mm -hmm. like presented to us in a way where uh, like we could potentially think that Florence Pugh is going crazy. The audience is like all the, everybody really seems to be playing it. Like there is this big secret and we need to keep Florence Pugh away. Yeah. And so we never, you never as an audience member question the narration of her, her story by her you're always like no we're on (laughs) we're on your side yeah like we are seeing it omnisciently through everyone else there's nothing in the movie that would ever suggest that you're not right in the first 20 minutes of the movie we really kind of like hammer like we get that there is something wrong here and we're we know that a twist is coming Mm -hmm. i feel like i knew that a twist was coming like after i saw the trailer one time oh yeah Uh, and then I have to sit through the rest of this like two and a half hour movie. And then the movie wants to do it wants to do the things like she's going crazy. It's only but, two. Sorry, it's two hours and three minutes. I'm sorry, keep going. It felt far longer. Um, but it wants to do all of the things that are like she's going crazy. You know, it wants to yeah. do that shot where the glass like pushes her up against the wall, but then it didn't. It wants to do the eggs, but there's no eggs inside the eggs. It wants to do the other stuff there's mm-hmm. more stuff in the movie there's like the spooky ballerinas but that it doesn't do anything it doesn't mean anything and so it doesn't matter all in all uh i would give don't worry darling uh two don't worries out of ten i had a horrible time watching it i would have to go ahead and agree with you probably like a one and a half don't worries uh, out of 10 darlings out of 10 darlings speaking of darlings let's talk about michael myers uh, that darling man that darling man uh seth what do you think of halloween ends do you have any relationship to the halloween franchise at all uh quite literally no no i did watch <laughs> you watching the last the most recent reboot movie no so okay so the day before we went to go see halloween ends which is the final movie in this latest david gordon green trilogy Mm -hmm. so i watched the first like original john carpenter halloween Mm -hmm. um and i watched the first of the three david gordon green halloweens and you skipped halloween kills yeah because it is filler apparently yeah and honestly this movie also feels like filler (laughs) yeah so I really, you know, don't have much of a relationship to Michael Myers going in. Uh, I um, I like John Carpenter. The Thing, I think, is probably, like, one of the top 
five horror movies I've ever seen. That movie is dope. We should watch The Thing and then also the reboot of The Thing that is less good. Who's in that? Isn't that? I feel like there's like Michael Fassbender is in that or something. Uh, Well, Kurt Russell's in the original. I don't know that anyone super famous is in the no. reboot. But anyway, um, yeah, Mike Myers, not Mike Myers. What's Michael your Myers. Do you have a relationship to Michael Myers? No. Uh, <laughs> I saw... I saw the reboot movie when it came out, uh, and then I saw this one. I've seen the original, but I saw it like a long time ago. Mm -hmm. So I don't have a ton of nostalgia for this franchise, and therefore <laughs> I don't feel like I should forgive it for a lot of stuff. Yeah, I have to agree. Um, um, I I enjoyed the first, I, the, like the first original Halloween, I think, you know, works. Mm -hmm. I think it's, to me, here's... As somebody who like didn't grow up with this franchise and just watched it like a week ago, yeah. Um, I think here's what I'm gonna say is I think it's pretty clear that John Carpenter didn't have like a lot of plans for the for Halloween mm. like as a franchise when he made that first movie. He was like, "This is a movie." I think he maybe wanted to make a horror movie mm -hmm. and had like ten thousand dollars to make it with, and he did, and he was like. What if there was a guy in a kind of spooky-looking mask? A William Shatner mask that will bleach. Yeah, and so the <laughs> and then from there here we are like 40 years later. Yeah, and we really are. Like 18 movies. And there's all this mythology surrounding Michael Myers and like I think a lot of it really isn't standing on super solid foundation. Yeah, um something that Randy told me before we went and saw this movie was that th there's an interview with John Carpenter and don't quote me and don't quote him on this, but this is what he told me. Don't that, quote you quoting Randy, quoting John Carpenter. Exactly. But Randy told me that there's this interview where they ask him about it. Like, what are your thoughts on the current Halloween franchise? Mm -hmm. And he's like, this is what happens. My phone rings. I answer it. They tell me they want to make another Halloween movie. I say, send me the check and I get a check. <laughs> so he has like no, yeah, no input on these. And I think that speaks to your point. But like, he's not really interested in where it goes. He's just sort of like, yeah, uh, whatever. <laughs> send me the money. And yeah. they send him the money and he gets it. And I think that there's something to be said about like, you want maybe at one point, you know, you did care a lot about this and this was your passion project. But then it did the thing it, you wanted it to do already. And if people want to like give you money to do what they want with it, like yeah, you might take as it well further. Let them. I mean, yeah. And I think, yeah. Uh, and look, I didn't, I, I liked the first of the David Gordon green movies just fine. I think it worked. Mm -hmm. uh, I did not think this one worked. Yeah. This was pretty bad. Um, I Nick, what, like, can you give us a, just a quick summary, quick rundown? Yeah. So this guy, uh, he's a character whose name is something. Corey. Like Corey. Corey's a guy. He's a pretty normal college-age kid, and he's babysitting a kid, and that kid locks Corey in the attic, and he's like, ha-ha, gotcha. Corey freaks out because he thinks Michael Myers is going to come and kill him. He breaks the attic door open, which hits the kid off the banister. Kid falls four stories down dies um and which Corey I, is a child murderer i think like that first opening segment where we're like getting this feeling for Corey is like a pretty nice dude and he like accidentally kills a kid like mm -hmm. that was like pretty effective i thought in terms of like 
a cold open for a horror movie. Yeah, I honestly from there was like, all right, we're I'm into it. Let's yeah. let's do it. Um I'm not into child murder. I was into where the movie was maybe going. Um, um but then <laughs> uh we flashed to like a few years after that. I think several years after yeah. that. And Corey's life sucks basically. Corey's life sucks. He's shockingly didn't go to mur- to prison for child murder uh cuz it was like manslaughter. He didn't mean to do it. Um but every he still lives <laughs> he Corey lives in this town that he grew up in. He killed the kid in this town. Mm-hmm. He lives there forever for some reason. Uh doesn't move away. Nick, let me ask you this. If you accidentally murdered a kid, would, would you would you stay there? I'd flee the country. I would go <laughs> well, I wouldn't flee the country. It would look like I'm fleeing the country, but really if I got acquitted, personally I would probably be like, I should go to prison. <laughs> Um, and if I didn't go to prison, I would be like, I can't live anywhere near. There's here. no amount of money that would get me to stay in no. whatever horrible town that was. I, it's the, I mean, it's the, the Halloween town. It's the ha- Halloween town. <laughs> high. Um, but Corey lives in this town. It sucks and everyone hates him and, uh, teenagers make fun of him. But then one day when he's getting beat up outside a gas station by some teens, <laughs> some band teens, some band teens who wanted him to buy alcohol um who knew that he's a child murderer still chose to pick a fight with him outside a gas yeah. station anyway he befriends laurie strode our our jamie, jamie lee, lee curtis, curtis activia commercial yeah. zone uh <laughs> who takes her takes him to the clinic that her granddaughter works at and sets him up and they find unlikely romance which was crazy <laughs> uh wild uh, just like let's bond over this shared trauma of just God. like being very close to murder, I guess, and then in ulti- proximity. And then ultimately, Corey gets pushed off a bridge, really sets him off, uh, gets dragged into the sewer where Michael Myers lives. Crazy. <laughs> He's just living, hanging out down there. In the sewer. Um, and Michael Myers and Corey do Batman and Robin murders where uh, Michael Myers is Batman and Corey is Robin and he learns to be Michael Myers from Michael Myers. Yeah. Uh, hijinks ensue. And he murders ult- a lot of people in town. And ultimately, Corey goes on a murder spree. He becomes like Michael Myers Jr. And, um, I, I and think then that- the real Michael Myers is like, I'm not having that. <laughs> he comes after Lori kills Corey and he gets his Michael Myers mask back. And then Lori puts an end to it. She murders him once and for all. And they throw Michael Myers in a wood chipper. And that's the end of the movie. I think that there's this. That was excellent, by the way. Thanks. Um, I think so. There's this. First of all, like as uh, Corey is going on in his murder spree, he's maintaining this relationship with Lori Strode's granddaughter. Oh, and boy. it's like. <laughs> You would have to have no eyeballs to see the, <laughs> the to not see the, the red murderer flags. that your boyfriend is becoming. The blood red flags. It feels a little bit like that. Like there is this sort of like thematic attempt, I guess, at um, kind of dissecting like true like foundational evil. 
like mm. primal evil versus like becoming like learned evil. evil. Yeah, like mm. are you born evil? Do you have this darkness inside of you, or are you pushed to that point by like your surroundings? <laughs> we live in a society, and I think like I think that the, they're they're trying to put that there. I don't know that it fully comes through. Well, Lori does have that like little monologue that she gives to Corey in the abandoned house mm. where she's talking about evil. And you're like, if I hear evil one more time, I'm yeah. going to freak out. And I mean, I think the movie, I th- to the movie's credit, I think it may be like it, it knows that there is this long history of Michael Myers being this unstoppably evil force. Mm-hmm. And it's maybe tr- like it's kind of t- it knows that the audience knows that it knows that. W- it kind of like Michael Quire, Michael Quires, <laughs> Michael Myers seems like a known quantity at this point. It is the thing of like impossible to kill and constantly yeah. murdering. The thing that baffles me about Halloween is the movies. They like all have this obsession with the idea like that Michael Myers is just a man. You know, yeah. he's like just a man. But then he he rocks up places he does the scary like 90 degree sit up thing which is scary i guess <laughs> he also gets like lit on fire but he gets lit on, he gets lit on fire and shot and stabbed and cut and beaten and, and he like lives through everything he's but also got to be like 80 fucking years old yeah we did the math from his first appearance and he's supposed to be like 70 something in this movie but which like, is crazy yeah my that's not that much younger than like my grandma and my grandma could not do all those murders and if you shot and stabbed and lit her on fire she would die like a person because that's the problem with the halloween movies is they they are built on the foundation of all the characters going around and saying michael myers is just a man Mm -hmm. he's just a man and then they light him on fire and shoot him in the face and he doesn't die. <laughs> and you're, you all look at each other and you're like, he's just a man. Well, I think maybe that's to, and you know, they're, the, the movie is trying to prop up Corey. Like we spend a lot of time with this random guy named Corey uh, <laughs> in this movie. And they like, uh, he is a man, you know? And I think that's yeah. maybe the movie trying to, to prove to us that like, Michael Myers is more than a man. He is like this unstoppable, yeah. primal, until you throw evil. his body in a wood chipper. Yeah, but even still, yeah. Um, I don't really want to talk about Halloween anymore. <laughs> how many? How many uh, overly large kitchen knives out of ten? Uh, one. <laughs> if you ask me in like 10 years to watch this again, I would need like a drinking game to be convinced to do it. And honestly, in 10 years, I probably won't want to play a drinking game anymore. (laughs) Fair enough. What about you, Seth? How many overly large kitchen knives out of 10? I'm going to give it a strong two. Just, I'm going to give it an extra overly large kitchen knife just for that, that open. The open is good. The rest of the movie is bad. Barbarian. And we're, we finally made it to the top of this mountain. Barbarian. Zach Kreger, Whitest Kids You Know, fame, writes, directs this movie. Uh, It was crazy. It was wild. Yeah. I was told, I was sold this on the premise of this is the Airbnb one. (laughs) And I was like, (laughs) oh. That it is. And I was like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Uh, So before we... I'm gonna I'm gonna okay. just lay it out. I'm gonna lay out the 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 opening. Yeah, give me a a synop. So uh, our our heroine, our heroine, 
who has a name who has a name and her name is tess oh yeah um <laughs> our tess mm-hmm. <laughs> she uh rocks on up to this airbnb late at night raining doesn't really know where she is uh she gets up inside the airbnb only to find that somebody else is also staying there want want it's been double booked by none pennywise other anyways the clown which automatically puts everyone on edge mm-hmm. um, put us on edge yeah and uh we didn't so trust <laughs> we we've been double booked here at this airbnb and uh, Tess and Keith decide to <laughs> they decide to share the night. They just decide to share the Airbnb. Mm-hmm. And um, shout out you, Bill Skarsgård. You're from, more than that. From that point on, we much like Florence Pugh find that something is not right within this Airbnb. Um, and yeah, uh, Bill Skarsgård really hits like all of those classic horror beats that really lulls us into this like do not trust, trust this, this guy. guy yeah um he, and yeah. uh it's i'm finding now that it's a little bit hard to continue with this synopsis without spoiling things without spoiling things we find a, a hole in the basement of this airbnb <laughs> and what do what we I, do do we walk away from the horror hole <laughs> to like no. a sensible person <laughs> don't be ridiculous Nick. no then i wouldn't have to sit through an hour 45 of movie i would get to go home and nothing would happen we watched this in our home nick we did watch this in our home and honestly i this is my preferred method of watching horror movies because at any given point I can get up and do something else. <laughs> or go um, to the bathroom. Or go to the bathroom. How'd you before we hop on the spoilers here and talk about what talk about what's in this horror hole, mm-hmm. uh what's how did you hole? how did you feel about Barbarian going into it, sort of like leading up to the the horror hole reveal? Um well, I so I was told that it was the Airbnb movie. Um, I was also told that the twist was not what you thought it was Mm. Um, because movies like this that set up in the way that this movie does set you up to think that Tess is going to be final girl and Bill Skarsgård is going to be some crazy psycho guy. Um, The movie (laughs) really sells it uh, really hard at the beginning and it feels like it's on purpose. And I was sitting there thinking like, okay, the twist can't be that he's, the killer or he's going to do something to her because I was already told that that wasn't it. So I, it can't be him, but <laughs> because do you, do you feel like it's played have heavy handedly enough that you like are start like mistrust it a little bit. Like you're like, it can't be him. I think it's played so heavy handedly that I, I was ruling it out really hard, but then there were moments like little holes in the armor of me as a person where I was like, uh, he might, it might be the twist is that he, he like, he has night terrors. Mm-hmm. Maybe he sleepwalks and he's a psycho at night, you know, yeah. or there's the horror hole. Maybe he's digging a horror hole. I don't know. <laughs> uh, as soon as, and that the, light spoiler, Bill Skarsgård goes down into the horror hole ahead of Tess and so like just check things out to check things out. And I was like, he's luring her in there. Mm-hmm. I don't trust it. Like it, it gets to that point And I'm like, there's no way he's the bad guy. Uh, and the twist got me for sure. Um, I don't think, I think this is an effective way of like pulling the rug out from under an audience. Mm-hmm. I think the way that don't worry, darling does it where there's like no foreshadowing and, but 
there, where there's no foreshadowing of the actual twist, but there's foreshadowing of something that doesn't really lead to anything doesn't work. But yeah. I think in a movie like this, that sets you up to think that Bill Skarsgård is going to be like the psycho killer. And then it's like a f- full 180 other thing. It works in a way that don't worry darling never was going to work i think there's also you know i think the horror tropes are set in stone enough that they can be like played with by like something like bill skarsgård's character yeah whereas something like don't worry darling i don't think has like a clear enough genre that it can be like sort of subverted um that's true and i also don't think i i think we as audiences up till now have not seen bill skarsgård play like a not creepy character that's yeah that's like another really important like part of like just the casting and mm -hmm. that sort of like lulling into this false sense of like i know where we're going by casting bill skarsgård who a looks creepy and b and but they dress him up like a normal guy (laughs) he just looks like a regular regular dude named keith uh bill no hate to you. I really liked your cameo in Deadpool too. Um, <laughs> I think, yeah. I mean, I, I rank it. I mean, <laughs> I rank it highest on this list. But it's not really saying much. I would rank this high on like a list of horror movies that I have seen. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought this was really like well thought out and tied up a lot of loose ends that I like would expect a movie like this to not tie up. Yeah. So I thought that was cool. What did you What did you think going in? I mean, I really liked uh, Barbarian. I saw it in the theaters uh, once right. before we saw we did we watched it? it together. Did you go by yourself to see it? Uh, I went time? with a, a coworker. Oh, oh, right. Natalie yes. and I tried to go, but uh, but she was too childish. Anybody who. Uh, <laughs> if you're on the AMC Stubbs list, <laughs> yeah, uh, they will request every time you book in advance uh, with one of your bookings to see your ID to prove it's you. Uh, and Natalie just didn't have an ID on her and uh, we got booted <laughs> from Barbarian which was too bad and what uh, did you see instead the Woman King which ah. was also just very good incredible um, but yeah Barbarian was crazy uh, going into the theater I knew that it had this twist coming but I hadn't really seen any of the trailers and I kind of like tried to as uh. soon as I heard about this twist I kind of tried to not consume any media about it because you know that the twist is going to be talked about in the yeah yeah um <laughs> hence this review and i was like definitely right there with you uh just not trusting keith mm-hmm. i was pretty conv- i was like wow he is <laughs> being creepy he's <laughs> a really uh, creepy guy <laughs> and uh i was also taken completely off guard mm-hmm. should we talk about this this twist here yeah um i would also like to mention that another thing that makes watching horror movies at home better than in the theater is that you can sit on the couch with your friends and be like don't go in there don't go in there (laughs) really lightens the mood i think i it helps me a lot i cannot in movie theaters i think we might go see the menu when that movie comes out i'm gonna struggle a lot when we watch that movie i I think the menu will be okay i think that's more of like a like a like a thriller like a (sighs) I'm still going to sit there and be like, don't go in. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> don't go in the kitchen. Um, uh, yeah, okay. so the, here's the twist. Uh, the twist in the movie is that there's... A, a, in the movie, the subtitle refers to this person as creature the entire time. Uh, but it is actually the product of several generations of inbreeding by one horrible like sexual rapist man. Yeah, um, we're, we're basically with... 
uh, Tess and freaking Keith down in the hole, and Keith comes out of the darkness, and he's and like, like something, something bit me. me, and we're like, what? <laughs> something what you? Because and in the mur- in not the murder hole, in the horror hole, there is a there's one room that is a bed with a bucket and a video <laughs> camera, and that is menacing. And then there's a second secret door. Into the horror hole. Sorry, I peaked my audio there, audience. Um, and in the in there, there's cages, and it's pitch dark. And here comes Keith saying something Some, bit me. We're like, what the fuck? Something bit you? And uh, then, like a and giant he, grotesque woman, <laughs> leaps out of the darkness, grabs Keith's head, and, and caves it, it in on a rock. Uh huh. And you, as the audience, go, "Whoa, <laughs> what was that?" And I, you go, I bet that's what bit Keith. <laughs> um, and then we get a hard cut. What do we get a hard cut to, Seth? We get a hard cut to my main man, Justin Long, driving down the PCH. Uh, Let it in be his said that Justin Long is no one's main man in this movie. <laughs> no, he is not. Uh, um, but he, I don't know if you've ever seen Jeepers Creepers, but he, Justin Long has some experience with scary holes in the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, and This is not the type of thing that I... I usually see Justin Long in like comedic appearances in like rom-coms or his brief stint on New Girl. That's what I'm like most familiar with Justin Long from. And so I think he's like cast really effectively here because he's supposed to be playing uh, this this actor who's like about to get his big break Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. and then gets Me Too'd. Uh, He does get Me Too'd. And he deserved it. Yeah, he was 100% guilty. Uh, He gets accused of uh, sexual assault on a cast member. um, Mm -hmm. And he is losing money due to these, like, legal fees. Mm -hmm. And he needs to come up with some cash quick. And he realizes he still owns this house that's being rented out as an Airbnb in Detroit. Uh, with a murder hole in the basement. Uh, (laughs) Unbeknownst to him, there's a murder hole. He goes to the Airbnb to sell it. And, There's uh, stuff in there. Whose stuff is this? He realizes that somebody is still there. So it's been weeks. Yeah. Uh, since like a long, like a long period of time, uh, since we saw Tess and Keith and Creature, <laughs> and he's just trying to sell his house. Adding up the square footage is down in the basement. Starts to find these hidden pieces of the uh, house, and, and he, it's hilarious. And he googles. <laughs> he if, finds this horrendous. If secret rooms in your basement can count toward the square footage of a home when listing it to sell. What? Oh, no. and he just like finds this ominous staircase down to hell in his sub, like his basement's basement. Listener, let it be known. <laughs> Let it be known from us here at Movie Soup that we do not condone including the square footage of the horror hole in your home <laughs> when you attempt to sell it. We don't condone a lot of stuff on the show. And Nothing that, is... that Justin Long does in this movie do we condone. But, uh, yeah, he's just, like, there with his tape measure mm-hmm. measuring past, like, ten bloody dog cages in uh. this scary basement and then he too gets kidnapped uh by the creature by the creature and he meets tess who has managed to stay alive for uh, weeks in yeah. a pit in the ground and we find out uh as we go through the the film that mm-hmm. this creature is as nick said uh the the daughter slash 
part uh the product yeah. of generations of incest from this serial killer that lived in this house in Detroit back in like the 80s. Yeah. Uh Ugh. played by a character actor who often ends up playing roles that are kind of like this. Fellow named Richard Brake. Yeah, Richard Brake plays a lot of like he knows creepy dudes. Yeah. Um I'm sure in life I mean, I don't want to say this. I don't know the man, but I'm I would hope in his real life that he's just like a normal, well-adjusted guy. But he man, does he play creepy dudes all the time? Uh, and then it's uh, it's Justin Long and Georgina Campbell versus the, world. the creature. Um, but then it's revealed that and if you, you know, context clues lend a lot um, upon like your initial meetings of the creature and like mm -hmm. the the things that surround it initially or her, I suppose initially um, there's like a, a big room that we saw before uh, with like blankets and tatters of clothing all over the ground uh, and a cradle in it and a uh, TV, like an old CRT TV that's playing uh, like a video on nursing on like, um, you know, like breastfeeding and it's a little bit like, Oh, what's going on here <laughs> but the context clues lend you to believe like oh this is you know this is like so where this person grew up especially when they start cutting away to the what was going on in the 80s you're like oh this guy is not getting uh the stuff for a home birth from like a normal <laughs> for like a for like birth. normal reasons and yeah, he, yeah. They cut to the inside of the house, a shot that we'd seen many times, but from the '80s. And he opens the basement door, and there's a screaming woman in that basement. Yeah, and uh, it's horrible, and it's terrible, and it's a twist I did not think I would be consuming. <laughs> <laughs> and so, as we go through this film, uh, we we kind of they they break out mm -hmm. of the the basement. They're uh, they're running from this monster. Uh, Georgina Gamble and Justin Long and um, they find their way to the friendly unhoused gentleman who previously was attempting to warn Georgina uh, about what was going yeah. on but you know when you are in a bombed out area of Detroit with a with a potentially crazy person sprinting at you screaming don't go in that house you go in the house and you lock the door yeah because uh, you're freaked out <laughs> and you know what overall fair response <laughs> Uh, but then they stumble upon this gentleman and, uh, what does he, he helps them. He helps them out, offers them, uh, offers them some, some solitude, like a little bit of a safe haze haven. Mm -hmm. Um, but it <laughs> proves to not be too safe a haven for long. Um, it was honestly like, it was set up like was, a joke. Yeah. It was, it was like seconds a, later. It was a full like <laughs> white like, kids, you know, joke. He's like she's never gotten into this <laughs> house. <laughs> punches through the door and removes this guy's arm and kills him with it uh, yeah. which was crazy and honestly and I don't think we really saw that much of that particular like violence like yeah. it's kind of a little off screen which was the most like least gratuitous part of the movie for I sure think. yeah and 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 so basically as we're nearing the end here um yeah um, Justin Long is like fully revealed to be the piece of shit that we all knew him to be all along and he, he attempts to jumpstart his own redemption arc and we're all watching the movie like you don't deserve redemption dude yeah and then he uh, 
he basically tries to use the injured Tess, who he accidentally shot, as like uh, as as bait for this monster, so that he can escape. Mm-hmm. And uh, the uh, the monster goes for it, uh, but kills Justin Long for putting uh, her her baby her baby in danger. In danger, yeah. And I think that is like the, you know. Uh, <laughs> man was the true monster all along story you yeah know? for Be- sure because you know ultimately the the creature the mother the you know the baby the woman ultimately all she wanted was a baby she didn't understand how that these people were not her child uh because she's super fucked up from years <laughs> of inbreeding you know yeah yeah it's a real it's a real lesson uh toward being not a horrible rapist and also uh not inbreeding <laughs> uh, i said it better myself bad Nick. stuff i don't think i said it that well um <laughs> and ultimately tess gets the gun that justin long shot her with and kind of mercy kills this woman yeah uh, and her last word is baby and she couldn't speak the whole time but she managed to say baby and honestly it's a little sad but overall the movie I would give you know a solid like I would give like a solid eight and a half dead Justin Longs out of ten <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and give it a solid nine dead Justin Longs out of ten yeah I uh, was really you know there was a part of me the whole time that I was like I can't like kill Justin Long please kill him <laughs> I want him to die and then uh, when it does happen you're like you know what I'm glad he was around that long so I could develop this hatred. So when it did happen, I yeah. felt the maximum amount of satisfaction. I got to possible. agree with you there. And it's also just really hard to watch Tess like trying to save him throughout the movie. She doesn't know. Yeah, she just they haven't really gotten a chance to chat about she's, their lives. She's been in the hole. She's yeah. been in the horror hole. Yeah, I uh, overall, I really enjoyed it way more than I thought I would. And... <laughs> This is way shorter than Don't Worry Darling, and it was more thought-provoking. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that said, uh, this has been an excellent three-for-one uh, three movie soup. soup. Yeah, that's right. And uh, we've got a bunch of other excellent films coming out in November here leading into Oscar season. I'm very excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll probably end up and we'll probably end up watching the big budget stuff like uh, Wakanda Forever. We comes do out have this Wakanda month. Forever coming out. Very excited about that. I'd be personally shocked if there was not a Soup of the Day episode about that one. But I got to you know, agree with we, you. <laughs> we've made some false promises in the past. Uh, but listener. We missed you. I hope you missed us as much as we missed you. Uh, This has been Movie Soup with Seth and Nick. I've been Nick. And I'm Seth. And we will see you next time. Bye-bye.